Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, we speak with Port Authority Executive Director Carlton Dow about their engagement in public-private partnerships. During the Senate Committee on Education and Workforce Development, lawmakers received updates from representatives of the Department of Education. We speak with Senator Donna Fred Gregory on a recent town hall she held for taxicab stakeholders. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. In a meeting with Port Authority Executive Director Carlton Dow, he informed us of upcoming projects with the authority in collaboration with private businesses, giving a grant they recently received. We just were awarded a $22 million grant. Um, we're chosen, selected, but there's still work to be done in, uh, for St. Croix at the container port. And um, we had $21 million over the last couple of years to do a project similar in St. Thomas back of where, you know, tropical and crowded are. And the good thing that's what we're talking about, and I continue to tell the public that a private-public partnership is not a bad word. For some people, it may be, it may be new, but we do that all the time, never, um, you know, on the scale that they've probably seen it. But, for example, in St. Croix, we're going to do a public-private partnership with tropical shipping. In St. Thomas, we're doing the same thing. And um, those folks have been great with tropical and crowley in St. Thomas. The Port Authority needed to come up with over $5 million of matching fund for, that, for the $21 million. We were able to get both entities, and I really appreciate, um, you know, Tim Martin of Tropical Shipping, Nisa Obain, Miss Jennifer Nugent Hill, all these folks who we communicate with, travel to, meet with them in Rivera Beach, Florida, and now Tropical has not decided to. They literally put up the, their share, $2.7 million. They put up on behalf of the Port Authority, and now Crowley, um, Tim Kirk from Crowley and all his folks, again, we work very closely with them. Uh, we dealt with them uh, directly from Jacksonville, and they were able now to put up the additional $2.7 million. So both companies put $2.7 million, which means the Port Authority didn't have to come up with the $5-plus million to meet our, meet our matching requirement for the Department of Transportation grant. So that's a good thing. Now in St. Croix, a little differently, Tropical have a bigger footprint in St. Croix. They expect to expand that. And the new uh, warehouses that we built, they already committed to take, of the 10 bays, they already to commit to take seven of those bays. But they now are the ones who put up the $5 million that would have been necessary for us to meet our match for that $22 million from the Department of Transportation. Tropical, again, uh, they step forward. And because of our working relationship and because of the growth that um, we, we, we want to, to, um, to see in the territory together, and I tell people all the time, it, partnership is not when things are only good. But it has to be in a tough time. So the fact that Tropical and their people, you know, saw it fit. And now I can never forget uh, or leave out our governing body and employees who work on that grant because uh, they were able to work Tropical and Crowley to some extent, work on both of these grants with us. 
So some of the technical expertise that we need came from the tropicals of the world and probably on the Sindama side. And then we are tropical again engaged. And, uh, you know, these things are up, uh, they are competitive. And we were, uh, you know, we were able to be selected for such a grant. So our working relationship with the private sector continued to grow and to strengthen. During Thursday's Senate Committee on Education and Workforce Development, lawmakers received updates from representatives of the Department of Education. Senator Diane Capehart sought answers pertaining to the maintenance department in the St. Croix District. How much maintenance staff do you have for each one of the schools? So, Yancy Milligan, Director of Maintenance, um, St. Croix. So currently I have 14 employees and the maintenance staff. Um, some of the schools don't even have a maintenance employee right now as we speak. <clears throat> but I have, go ahead. So, so you, you don't have enough staff to actually assign all these maintenance individual to say like, you got 14 schools, five people for each school to hit these low hanging fruits? So, um, Senator, no, we don't have the, the bodies right now. Um, currently, though, we just did some interviews, so we're looking at 20 individuals to be coming on board shortly. Um, that will give us the manpower we need to start executing these assignments. Senator Javon James sought further details from the maintenance department. My question to Mr. Milligan, though, uh, you mentioned um, vacancies within your maintenance staff. Can you be specific on some of those positions? Are those positions entry-level positions? All, all of them say entry-level position. Can you name the position? <coughs> laborers. Laborers. And what is starting off with? Um, the laborers are a, a part of a contractual salary range, and I believe it starts off at 27310. The John H. Woodson Junior High School has been closed since late September while it undergoes critical maintenance. Senator Franklin Johnson sought further details from St. Croix Superintendent Irisilda Otley-Herman. Does anybody have a date as to when Woodson will actually be reopening? The work at John H. Woodson has already started in terms of the remediation. Our goal is to have Woodson open for the second semester for January. Um, the remediation contractor, I believe Mr. Charlemagne did a, a secondary just walk through with them as they started to work today. Um, to remediate. The contract for the lighting of the hallways is going through the final stages. Um, the office HVAC system, that work has already started in terms of the replacement and, and fixing that in the ACs for the B-wing that blew out with this last surge. Um, they are on island and the installation will begin. So we have everything in place to meet our January date. Like I said, the remediation um, is already taking place. While the hearing touched on maintenance and conditions of schools, Senate President Noble Francis shifted focus to violence in schools. Something that we haven't discussed here today that's very, very um, weighing heavy on my heart is the level of violence that we're seeing in our school students. I know we talk about all the infrastructure issues and stuff like that. But what I see in these schools where you have five, four, three, four, five individuals that are beating up on one child, it's unfair. There's no fairness in that. I don't know what we're going to tell parents if something dangerous happened to, I mean, worse happened to our students. It's totally unfair, unacceptable, and you should also be concerned about those violence that's happening in your schools. They're being videotaped, they're being broadcast all, all over the place. 
totally unfair. I mean, some big man thump going on and, and, and little students, five sometimes and one student, totally unfair. What are we doing about that? So Senator, um, the level of aggression that we're experiencing is, is different. Um, we have engaged with our providers to help us with providing behavioral intervention services. So we have exec executed MOUs. We're also engaging with other entities in talking about alternatives to suspension. Um, what we're seeing is that we need to send a student who is suspended to behavioral intervention or anger management courses. Um, we have engaged in terms of counseling referrals with students. When the last set of fights at the complex happened, the following day we had mandatory parents meetings where I asked the parents and I engaged them and I said, we need your support in the fact that one of the things that we're seeing is the children who run to the fight. Um, and, and to be quite honest, at the educational complex, the children were using that opportunity to serve as decoys. They were just running like something was happening. The crowd was running to see or to record, and then the students were taking advantage of the distraction of the adults who are now trying to see where the crowd is going to, to jump a student on the other end. So the strategic knowledge of our students, um, the use of the cell phones, being the first to put it on TikTok, Snapchat, this is a different generation that we're talking about digital citizenship. We're talking about what are you, what's the trauma that you've experienced that have caused you these anger issues. So it's deeper than just a fight. We are also trying to deal with the mental health of our students as well. You're in the WTJX newsfeed. Last evening, Senator Donna Fred Gregory held a town hall meeting with taxicab association leaders and taxicab operators to discuss a draft bill aimed at addressing challenges that continue to affect the taxi industry in the territory. We spoke with Senator Fred Gregory to share details on the outcome of that meeting. So last evening, I held a town hall meeting with the taxi drivers on all three islands in the legislature buildings to discuss Bill Number 350186 because there was a lot of discussion around this measure. Um, this measure seeks to remove the taxicab commission from under the commission and place it under the Department of Licensing and Consumer Affairs. And we realized that there was a need for clarification. So we had a good conversation with the um, the taxi drivers. We spoke to them about what, why we're doing it. And of course, we were doing it because senators have fielded calls and complaints from the taxi drivers in the taxi industry, I would say, over the last four years. And within the last year, we have met um, on several occasions, I want to say four or five occasions, with taxi drivers just to hear their concerns as it relates to the overall operations of the taxi cab, the taxi cab commission and how things are going there, which has not improved. So we took, we put together legislation to really address the challenges so they can, um, you know, be in a position to get the services they need as uh, taxi drivers in a territory. So we shared with them the, um, the, the measure which would really address accountability, transparency, accessibility for them. Uh, reliability and cons consistent services, and for them to continue to have a voice. But they, they are of the belief that um, the transition from the Taxi Cab Commission to placing the entity on a DLCA isn't something that many of them are interested in. 
it was like it was i think it was i would say it was split uh that they many of them felt no many of them felt yes there were some of the taxi drivers that became a little some expressed their disappointment with the fact that they've come to the senate to ask for help and now that we're in a position now that we are working to address the issue they were not very um happy about how we were addressing the issue but a lot of the issues around what's happening in the industry more than anything else i realized from that conversation last night was the tour operators their concern about uh the the unregulated um industry of tour operators operators and the limousine um operators here in the territory and i shared with them that the legislation attempts to actually allow for regulations of the tour operators businesses and the um limousine service uh, businesses here in the territory because one of the things that's in the legislation is it requires that um the taxi cab the i think the, the organization will now be called taxi and transportation services division under uh, license and consumer affairs and that division um in conjunction with the uh with the new, new taxi cab uh advisory council will now be responsible for promulgating new rules and regulations for the operations of the transportation and taxi industry within 120 days of the passage of the legislation. Uh, many of them did not really I think there was a, a still a misunderstanding. So we urged them to go back read the legislation. The legislation was on today's agenda. I pulled it off the agenda yesterday because I felt like they did have some good input and some good concerns. So we still have to do some additional work on the measure before we bring it forward. During past town halls, board members of the commission were not in attendance. We asked if the same were true for last evening. The, the one lady, she's, she actually, she's the, the member on the commission that works for the Department of Licensing and Consumer Affairs. So she was there. Um, the, the actual director, uh, she actually attended the meeting last night as well and um our commissioner nominee is Natalie Hodge she was there we allowed her to speak about uh how they would um you know receive the funds and um making sure there was accountability because one of the concerns was apparently there was an audit that was conducted sometime in 2005 with regards to how they those dollars were being um treated in the system and um I, I, I apparently the audit was not a good audit so they were concerned about that uh folks that felt that um it was there already and we shouldn't do that again we assure them that we you know the, the organization the department has moved to um to the 21st century and um you know they need to give the, the organization an opportunity in addition to the fact that you know we have to look at ways to um to ensure that we are utilizing all of our resources in a meaningful way. So we have enforcement officers at DLCA, Taxi Cab Commission of Enforcement Officers. So there'll be that cross um, utilization of the services to support the work. So um, it's it's still a work in progress and um, hopefully we'll be able to get something done. I don't see it happening before January. During Tuesday's legislative session, an amendment sent down by Government House regarding the St. John land swap failed to pass with lawmakers. We spoke with the Brian Roach administration's director of communications, Richard Mota, on how the failed amendment will impact the agreement moving forward. Well, it's a slight hiccup um, and it's, it's 
something that will, you know, we, we hope won't hinder the process, but um, the administration intends to um, kind of, you know, clarify to the best of its ability what the amendment actually um, does and the purpose of the amendment and, um, and try again through the legislative process. Yesterday, the Committee on Culture, Youth, Aging, Sports and Parks, chaired by Senator-at-Large Angel Bocas Jr., received testimony on the roles of the Children's Museum in the Virgin Islands. Presenters Ellie Hirsch of the Children's Museum of St. Croix and Chantal Hoheb of the Virgin Islands Children's Museum shared their challenges, particularly in terms of funding and space. Senator Bocas inquired on accessibility for low-income children. Is there any considerations for low-income or underserved communities? Uh, yes, Chantal Hoheb, Executive Director of Operations and Development. Um, absolutely, they are actually our main focus is, is low-income households, just because if you have means, you can afford to come to the museum, right? Um, so our Museums for All program assists with that. Uh, the, the people or the families who receive food stamps come in at a reduced admission of $8 less than everyone, everyone else. Um, the fact that people can sign up for free for Dolly Parton Imagination Library is also for them, but to the point of marketing that Senator um, Heiliger made, um, we, have to put, we have to push those programs more and let those folks in the, com in the housing communities and low-income families know that they are available. Amber McCammon, uh, Executive Director of Facilities and Programs at the Virgin Islands Children's Museum. Um, I just wanted to also mention our Discovery Kit program, which was born um, during the pandemic when we had to be closed for six months. Um, everyone was sheltering at home, but we knew people were sheltering at home without resources without things for their children to do. So the Discovery Kit program was developed specifically for low-income families. It has expanded um, and is available to everybody. Um, but uh, we supply all of the tools and supplies, the, the school supplies, art supplies, whatever it may be that you would need to do the activities in that curated kit. And as um, Chantal had mentioned, each kit is a different theme. So earth science, water science, human health, and so forth. The Virgin Islands Children Museum was founded in 2015 and was included in the executive budget of the Virgin Islands for the first time in the 2024 executive budget. You are in the WTJX newsfeed. All right, and there you have it. The University of Georgia is lucky to have our very own Michelle Smith. Congratulations. U.S. Virgin Islands Sports Ambassador Michelle Smith announced today the university she will attend by signing her national letter of intent at Government House on St. Croix. According to Miles Split USA, Michelle is ranked as the number three recruit in the class of 2024 in the United States. Michelle narrowed down her choices to four institutions, Texas A&M, University of Florida, the University of Southern California, and the University of Georgia. My main reason, I honestly love the campus. It just reminds me of home, all the trees, the scenery, and then the coaches, they were like really nice and I vibe with them really well. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get along with them. And then their team was really, really nice. The Virgin Islands Department of Education is reminding all parents, guardians, and students that all schools territory-wide will be closed Wednesday, November 22nd. 
A professional development day is scheduled for all faculty and staff. School will also remain closed for the Thanksgiving holiday on Thursday, November 23rd, and on Friday, November 24th. Normal school operations will resume on Monday, November 27th. The Department of Public Works will suspend Vitran fixed route services territory-wide on Thursday, November 23rd in observance of Thanksgiving Day. There will be no ADA paratransit services in the St. Thomas-St. John District. However, on St. Croix, ADA paratransit services will operate from 4 a.m. to 1 p.m. The Virgin Islands Police Department's St. Croix District offices will begin accepting vendor applications for the Children's and Adults Festival Parades. Beginning Monday, November 27th to Friday, December 1st, applications can be picked up and dropped off at the Records Bureau at the Wilbur Francis Command Police Station from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. For more information, call the Wilbur Francis Command Station at 340-778-2211. As we move through the news feed, we turn now to our regional report. Kadeem Maynard, one of the three British Virgin Islands residents accused of cocaine smuggling and money laundering conspiracy, was sentenced in a Florida court yesterday. Maynard will serve 57 months in prison after pleading guilty in June to a single count of conspiracy to import cocaine. Maynard, along with his mother, the former BVI Ports Authority Managing Director, Olivine Pickering Maynard, offered to cooperate fully with prosecutors in exchange for leniency from the court at sentencing. Maynard, who was sentenced by Justice Kathleen Williams, will also serve an additional five years of supervised release. He will also pay a special assessment of damages in the amount of $100. Maynard faced more than 10 years in prison after initially being charged with conspiracy to commit money laundering and attempted money laundering. Sentencing for Mrs. Maynard is set for January 18, 2024. Former Premier Andrew Foy, who was initially charged alongside the Maynards, continues to await trial after being held on a $1 million bond. Foy's trial is set to begin on January 8, 2024. In our final update on the news feed, we turn now to the Territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at the short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. At St. Croix, it's mostly cloudy with scattered showers continuing this afternoon. Temperatures will hold in the middle 80s, uh, wind from the north at 5 to 10 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, we'll also find scattered showers as well under partly sunny skies. Temperatures a few degrees warmer in the middle and upper 80s. Winds from the north-northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Gust as high as 20, particularly towards sunset. Tonight at St. Croix, it's mostly cloudy. Scattered showers continue before midnight, and then there's the chance for a shower or thunderstorm after midnight. Lows will fall back into the upper 70s to near 80. Winds from the northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour. At St. Thomas and St. John, it's similar. Scattered showers before midnight, and then showers and possibly a thunderstorm after midnight towards sunrise. Temperatures will also fall back into the upper 70s to near 80. Winds remain stronger from the northeast at 15 to 20, with gusts as high as 25. And Wednesday features a partly sunny day at St. Croix. Temperatures will only climb into the middle 80s, and there's the chance for a stray shower or two in the afternoon. At St. Thomas and St. John, it's similar as well. It's a partly sunny day with the chance for a shower or thunderstorm in the afternoon. Highs reach the upper 80s with winds stronger from the northeast at 20 to 25 miles per hour. That's the latest look at your short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX newsfeed. I'm Marcelina Ventura-Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. 
be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you miss a part of our news, listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.